afternoon with Dennis Fithian on Detroit Sports, ready to get things underway. Pod number 20. Coming up, how things are looking in Ann Arbor with the Wolverine.com's Chris Ballas. But first, some football talk with the head coach of South Lion, Jeff Henson, joins us on the pod. Jeff, how are you? I'm doing well. Doing really well under the circumstances. Yeah, no, I, I get you there. And, you know, that was one of the first things I was going to ask you, just how how you've been dealing with these uh, this last two months, all of us going through a lot of, uh, you know, different circumstances. What's the last two months been like for you? Uh, a lot of time at home, uh, a lot of time with the family, and uh, my golf game is getting better. So, <laughs> Yeah, mine too. You know what? I've got about 75, 80 yards in the front yard to where I can pitch. And I, if I keep it left of a tree and there's a there's a dirt road. But uh, you know what? I, I if it transfers, man, uh, I I think I definitely have have gotten better at golf. Yeah, absolutely. A short game and putting—that's where you make up your strokes. Yeah, well, that's what they say. We know that uh, we're all hoping that we can find a balance, the uh, you know the right balance where we get back to work, and yet we're still able to protect people. And you know, I heard the Seahawks uh, head coach Pete Carroll saying the NFL that they would start getting behind on their off-season schedule, like coming up. Uh, to Memorial weekend that they were still able to do things like, like zoom. And, but, you know, starting in June, they're going to get behind it a little bit. What's it like for high school coaches? What are some of your challenges as a high school football coach during this time? Well, obviously, you know, we, no contact with kids, you know, same thing the pros and colleges are dealing with. So uh, I think we're doing a good job of keeping in contact, doing the same things with the zoom meetings, uh, sending them online workouts to do and, uh, you know, trying to keep them motivated and positive, uh, you know, for the upcoming season. But uh, obviously I think our challenges are uh, a little more stringent because we're dealing with high school kids, uh, you know, so that makes it uh, more challenging for us. Yeah, you know, it's challenging for everybody, but, you know, there's a, there's a few people that I stop and think about and uh, the graduating seniors, I just look back, you know, a long time ago when uh, when I was a senior in that, that, you know, the month or two before you graduate and then that summer, man, it's uh, I would think for everybody, you know, that's a that's a fond time or, you know, it can be a fond time. And, you know, they're missing out on that. And that's not necessarily for your guys uh, on your football team, but the, you know, the guys that, you know, graduate, you got to feel for those, got to feel for those guys. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we have a lot of multi-sport kids on our team and, uh, you know, a lot of them were looking forward to their spring season, especially lacrosse and baseball and track uh, that they missed out on. And, uh, you know, I, I can't imagine. I mean, that's, uh, you know, something you prepare for, train for, and look forward to, and then just have it taken away from you is, uh, you know, devastating. You know, I, I couldn't imagine if it was myself in, in their situation. You know, that's, uh, you know, really rough for those kids, uh, you know, going through it. And I feel for them. I don't know what you do when it comes to the news and what's going on in the country and what, uh, you know, people say about sports and what people are saying about everything. You know, if you look down in Florida, you sports are getting ready to, I think they're getting ready to get the ball rolling there. And I know the, a lot of the, the ADs in the South, they're like, we're playing football. I saw Joe Klatt, who's a, a college football announcer saying that this weekend that he's a hundred percent, that it's a hundred percent definite that, you know, they're going to be playing college football and, you know, the Michigan AD, Mark Schlissel, over the, the weekend had some comments where, you know, he was in doubt about, you know, football being played uh, at, at Michigan. And, and, you know, it's coming down to the individual presidents and, and athletic directors at, at, the, at the different schools. And of course, it's going to come down to the governor here. How do you how do you sift through all of that and, and try to be prepared for whatever's coming out? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think where we are right now, and I was just talking to our athletic director a couple hours ago, you know, we're still in good shape, you know, because technically, you know, if the kids were still in school right now, you know, they'd still be in their spring sports, you know, so, you know, yeah, we're missing out on workouts, but, uh, you know, when you look at Michigan in general, obviously we were hit harder than uh, the majority of the states uh, with this uh, pandemic. Um, you know, when we, we, we try to relate it to the rest of the country, um, you know, the attitudes are just different. I mean, I, I coached high school football in Atlanta, Georgia for two years. So high school football down there is a little bit different than it is in uh, Michigan. So, you know, the attitudes and how it's, uh, 
how things uh, operate are, are obviously not the same. But, uh, you know, a, a lot of conflicting reports, a lot of, you know, different reports. And you just try and sift through, see what's uh, true, what's not true, and try to prepare the best you can. And, and I think we're doing that right now. You know what? I want to ask you about South Lions specifically, but when you mentioned Georgia there, it was one of the questions I wanted to ask you in general about football in the state of Michigan. I was looking at your resume. You're a, a besides those two years in Georgia, like a, a Michigan a lifer when it comes to, to football and, and, and coaching football. And uh, I know down in Ohio, like it, 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 would you say it's Ohio? It's like it's a similar type approach or a mentality that it is uh, in the South and Georgia, and, and we're a little different. It seems like, you know, just to me, we enjoy the seasons. We'll enjoy basketball and hockey, and, and yeah, we, we love football. We're very passionate about it, where it seems like Georgia and then Ohio, like, and they have different sports, but, man, they just um, not – they're just consumed with it. Yeah, it, it definitely revolves around that sport, you know, just by my experience and – uh you know, have some relatives who are coaching in the South too. Uh, you know, it, it, not that it's not a year-round preparation here, but it, it, it's a uh, you know, it's it's a year-round grind for them. Um, it, it really is, and the kids are constantly at it. Uh, and you know, let's they have spring football, and you're right about Ohio. Ohio is just an extension uh, of the South, and. and I know they were looking into spring football a few years ago. I'm not sure where they were with that right now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we love our football. And, and uh, you know, we would love to – I don't want to say do more, but uh, I, I guess uh, equal the passion uh, that, that there is in the South because I do feel like our kids are behind a little bit. Um, I was telling somebody the story uh, not too long ago if you look at a high school football player in the South, uh, they will in essence play a full year more of football than the people in the North or people in Michigan. Uh, Cause how things work in, in the South. And it's, it's, at least when I was there, you know, baseball ended in April um, and, and the whole month of May pretty much was spring football. So if you add that from a high school standpoint, you're getting four extra months, of high school football and you know spring ball down there ends in a game or two you know uh you know or consider equally to a jamboree that we would do with four team scrimmage or something like that so uh i I do think we're behind in that aspect and and our kids lose out a little bit and hence why you see all the top uh, recruits in the country are always from the south they're more developed they get more opportunity uh they're more specialized uh, than our kids are. Yeah, the weather doesn't hurt either, you know, having it down there where you can, you know, throw the ball around if not have to deal with the inclement weather. When, yeah, uh, yeah when you think about just how the spring will, will turn into summer and, you know, like, you know, I guess the kids would still be in school here, but when you look at the, you know, off-season conditioning and then uh, I know, like, you run clinics, you run camps, I mean, that all, I guess, could still be in play if, you know, June 12th, if things, you know, seem to be going well, all of that, like you made it sound earlier, all of that's still ahead of you and can still happen. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, that's what we're planning for. You know, we get that right now they're telling us June 30th uh, because that's the governor's, you know, date for schools or she officially closed schools down until June 30th. Uh, That's what we're being told. Uh, So even if she does lift the stay at home at, you know, on the 12th, uh, I don't know what that's going to mean for the schools because the schools are still closed until June 30th. Um, and that was what my AD was telling me today, kind of reiterating that point, unless she changes that, um, you know, we're still, we still really cannot do anything right now until June 30th. Mm. Um, so, you know, and they did, they did lift the, uh, Michigan high school football coaches association and the MHSAA, uh, did remove one of our dead weeks, uh, that we always have that 4th of July week in June or July. I mean, um, so, you know, that would give us another week if everything does change on June 30th. Uh, so, you know, that would be helpful. And then we could pick right up with our camps and hopefully, you know, and uh, from there in our seven on sevens and things like that. Yeah, I want to talk about your, your program there. I mentioned it earlier. I was looking at your resume. You're a football lifer. You 
high school here in the state and then, uh, you know, stayed in here and, and played at Wayne State and then on to a coaching career. If if, if we could go back and, and talk to a 21-year-old Jeff Henson, would he be surprised if you said, hey, in 2020 you'll be a, a head football coach uh, in, in the state of Michigan? Would you be surprised? I would be surprised uh, because I had no intention of doing it when I was 21. I was playing in college and uh, just enjoying my time, and uh, but I never thought – that it would be something that I would get into. Uh, obviously, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a retired teacher now since I just retired back in uh, December. Um, but, uh, you know, I was just on the cusp of going into education at that time. And, uh, you know, being a teacher, uh, I think, really uh, swayed me uh, to get into coaching because I had no plan in doing it. I was coaching some high school uh, basketball while I was in college. Uh, I was able to, you know, assist. Uh, at Lincoln Park, where I grew up and went to school, um, you know, and I enjoyed that, and I and I think that's what kind of swayed me uh, to get into it, and uh, you know, but at 21, uh, no way, uh, I would have said that it, this is what I'd be doing right now, you know, going into my 26th year of coaching football, uh, you know, uh, no way. Well, congratulations on your retirement. You know, that's nice. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I, I like that. So it was, it was a gradual thing. There wasn't a, a, a certain season that clicked in where you're like, you know what, this is going to be me. I'm going to do this. Uh, just being in it and just uh, step by step kind of uh, just yeah. grew into it, huh? Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I graduated uh, from Wayne State, I, I was doing some substitute teaching in Lincoln Park and I started coaching there uh, under my old high, high school coach. And uh, I think what really got me is when I went to Georgia. Uh, that that's what really got me uh, kind of reignited, I guess. Uh, not that I wasn't passionate when I was playing, but you know, when you're done, I mean, college football is a grind, and, and it's a job, and it's it's not easy to to uh, to do. And you know, you, I think I, I took about a year break, and uh, uh, I did coach at Lincoln Park one year before I went down to Atlanta, Georgia. But I think when I when I was coaching and teaching down there, that kind of reignited my passion and. Uh, you know, it, it took off from there. Yeah. You know what? Uh, I, I saw that you had a connection with Brian Van Gorder, who is a defensive coordinator for people that are listening and are football fans. They'll know who he is. But, yeah, yep. in the pros, Georgia, Auburn, Notre Dame, BC. I mean, it, it just keeps going. He's at Bowling Green, you know, now. Yep. And uh, he's a he's somebody, if you're a college football fan like I am, and you watch the games and you didn't know who he was, you're kind of just sitting there and you're watching it. At one point, they, they like cut to the sideline. You're like, wow, this guy's pretty <laughs> intense, man. Who's this guy? Yeah. And you end up looking it up and, you know, finding out who he is. Yeah, no, he, he was a great head coach and, a, a you know, I would almost say a mentor. You know, I, I learned a lot uh, playing under him. And, and not only that, I've kept in contact with him up to this day. Uh, not only myself, but, uh, a lot of guys that, that played with me during that time, you know, he had a tremendous impact on us, um, you know, on and off the field. And uh, not only him, uh, John Jancic is another name who's been a coordinator in the SEC, was just at Colorado State as the defense coordinator. Uh, that whole coaching staff uh, was, was very influential uh, during that time and really uh, impacted a lot of us in, in – you know, bonded us, I guess you could say, uh, up to this day where, uh, you know, the stories get better and better, obviously, <laughs> when we played. Um, but just the impact that that, that that coaching staff had on us. And, uh, you know, not that there weren't other coaches before he, that I played for at Wayne State, but, uh, you know, I, I, he was probably the most uh, impactful. But, uh, yeah, we, we all those places you've mentioned, uh, we have uh, – We've gone uh, to visit uh, with him and talk football and just kind of hang out and reminisce. And, uh, yeah, he's a, he's an intense person uh, on and off the field. And uh, yeah, I, I even think there was a, a Facebook page just for his mustache. <laughs> I always thought that was uh, – <laughs> Yeah, that, well, that was, it would be like that. Like, uh, for people that are listening, like, yeah, football coaches are intense. But, like, he's uh, he takes intense to the max. What – he would be like that in, in meetings too. Like, I mean, really like yeah. just fired up. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, but the great thing about him and this is what I think I most uh, admired and, and uh, kind of impacted me was on the field, you know, he was an SOB, you know, but uh, off the field, 
you know, he would sit down and talk with you and, uh, you know, really, uh, you know, bond with you. Um, so you, you definitely had a relation. There was two different guys and you knew who you were dealing with on the field, very demanding, intense, um, but off the field, uh, willing to do anything he could to help you out and, uh, you know, guide you in, in the right direction. Yeah, is that your kind of mentality too as a head coach? Like you, you know, you, you sound you know you know pretty laid back right now, and you you know you told me you're you're you are sitting back and you're you're laid back, but you know when you're yeah. when you're on the field, you're flipping the switch, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, you know, I think our players, uh, you know, they always find it comical when they see me smile because uh, wow. But uh, you know, I, I've gotten better over the years. You, you learn as you get older, and. Uh, you know, uh, high school football is all about uh, building relationships with the kids. And, and uh, you know, I, I, while I've been to South Line going on my 11th year now, I, I uh, really cherish the relationships that I've built with these kids. But, you know, not only that, the kids that I coached at Lincoln Park and Dearborn and Woodhaven, uh, you know, Atlanta, Georgia. I mean, there were some uh, just great kids along the way. But, uh, yeah, demanding on and, uh, you know, approachable and human off. I guess you could say. You know what? Downriver uh, speaks for itself when it comes to, to football and the, the coaches and, and players they've produced. And I want to talk with you a little bit about uh, uh, South Lion. And uh, I, I think maybe this will get you fired up. But just do it. This fire you up? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. The new pumps are coming out. Well, so so tell me, and, and thanks to YouTube and, and Guns N' Roses for the audio here, but, um, you know, it, it's called uh, The Jungle. There will be... I just high school football fans who might not even be South Lion fans who will, will come to South Lion to to experience a game. What's it What's it like there? Yeah, it, it, you know South Lion has a, has a long tradition and history of great uh, high school football. Um, you know, and it, it goes uh, well back into you know the fifties, sixties. I mean, there's a, a long run of it. Uh, it's just a special place. You know, it's. Uh, you have that hometown feel, atmosphere, uh, very supportive community, and uh, you know the traditions, like that song, among other things that uh, you know I've done my best to keep going. Uh, you know, and obviously I've had former players come back and former head coaches, uh, you know, Hall of Fame coach Bob Shalosky, who was there forever, and uh, you know, really that program I don't want to say turn it around but got it going in another direction um, you know but uh, it, it is a special place you know well I was just looking at the record in a couple of years ago I, I saw a one and 11 but then the last two seasons you can correct me if I'm wrong it looks like you guys just had the, that that one loss in the past two years so uh, you've had a heck of a run here over the last couple seasons yeah we have uh, you know that uh, two years ago we were one and eight and uh, you know we had a small senior class and uh, we were forced to play a lot of young kids, uh, sophomores at the time. And, uh, you know, that turned out to be a really special group of kids who ended up going undefeated, going from one and eight to 10 and oh, you know, to eight and one, uh, you know, the, the, the last year. So uh, we were very fortunate uh, with that group of kids uh, who, who really embraced what we were trying to do. And, uh, uh, you know, both on and off the field were tremendous students, uh, but also uh, had this special bond with one another. Uh, you know, and I've always said in high school, you know, winning isn't about talent. It's about a bunch of people believing in the same thing. And, and that's exactly what we've had over the last couple of years. We had a bunch of kids who loved being around each other, were committed to what we were trying to do, uh, were intrinsically motivated. Uh, you know, to go out and get the job done and, and uh, just love, love those kids and, and the experience we've had over the last couple of years. Yeah, and I bet you'll see, like uh, you were talking about, getting some uh, some players and as, a, as a tradition coming back and and looking in on the program and, and, and helping the program. I would imagine over these uh, next couple of years, you'll get some of those guys from the these uh, these last two seasons. And, you know, Jeff, for uh, for me, I, I knew somebody that played uh, on the, the team two years ago, and so I was keeping a little bit of an interest. And, in, you know, the uh, I got a text like, yeah, we you know, how'd you do in the opener? Yeah, well, we won. And it was, you know, it went on from there. Yeah, we won again. So, yeah. you know, by the time, you know, I'm like, wow, man, this is really coming around. And this is just me looking from afar. And it just kept happening and happening. And it, I mean, it, 
it's amazing just how special it can be for a community and a team. Like I just think about my own high school days. We weren't very good, but I still talk to all those guys, of course. But to have a a team that puts something together and, and is doing something special, like when you when you're going on and you, you don't have that loss. I mean, what's that season like? It's uh, I don't want to say stressful, uh, but it was. Um, but you you try not to relate that to the kids you know we we really were just focusing on one day at a time and and, you know that's that's what we could control uh and and really you know I say about those kids that 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 team really embraced that process um you know together we're going to get it done and that's the only way we can do it is together and uh no egos uh uh it, it was uh it was pretty special, and, and I really give those kids a lot of credit because uh, as a coaching staff, we were trying to do everything we can to keep our routine and to not not overplay, um, you know, one day or one game more than the other. And really, just taking it one game and one one day at a time, uh, and that group really embraced it. And then it carried on to this year, where you know we were fortunate to have a similar season. Um, but, uh, you know, it's not easy to do for high school kids who, uh, who have a lot going on and, and to get them to stay in the moment, you know, and, and to stay uh, on that journey together because uh, there's a lot of things that can distract you uh, and, and can distract a, a high school kid uh, and get them off track. But we were very fortunate. Yeah, one of those distractions, a guy like me in the media, like uh, I was, I was playing them all before you played the first one. I was already talking about the the playoffs. I was already talking about you know what's coming back and you guys going to be able to do it again. And you know I, I'm 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 checking out your eleven and Pontiac Trail shirts and I'm like, uh, yeah, that's the corner. So I was I was putting all the cart in front of the horse for you guys. So yeah, I understand that distractions for you and you're able to yeah. focus in. No, that's good. Yeah. Well, I think it's carried over too. You know, we we had success on our JV teams. Our freshman team was eight and one. So we, you know, we we have something going that I really believe in, and uh, you know, and, and we really put our focus on the kids and, and really do our best to mentor them and you know make them leaders and not only leaders of our team but leaders in our community. And and I think uh, all of them are embracing that right now. That all sounds good. What are your principles uh, when it comes down to just kind of football you're you're playing there? You have a uh, a style that you you bring to the table, like defensively. You guys are a four three team. What are, what are, what do you do there? Yeah, we've been a we've been a three four team for uh, uh, you know about ten years now. Well, I call it a three four. You know, old, older coaches might say it's just a five two with more athletic defensive ends, but. Uh, you know, we, we've always been an aggressive attacking uh, uh, on the defensive side of the ball. You know, we, uh, we're we not uh, fortunate in the, the aspect where we get these giant kids that we can throw on the D-line and just dominate and let everybody run around and make plays. We have to be a little more creative in what we do. Uh, you know, we have a lot of athletic kids who can run and get to the ball, so that's uh, kind of our, been our philosophy on, on defense. Let's uh, get after it and uh, – you know, put people in predictable situations. You know, offensively, we've been multiple um, uh, over the years, but we've really settled in on uh, kind of the spread wing T system. You know, we uh, the buck sweep is, is our play, and we take a lot of pride in running that play along with trap. And, uh, you know, we uh, make sure we get the job done up front. Um, you know, so that's, uh, you know, you got to be able to run the ball if you want to win. Uh, and that's something that we've been fortunate, but, uh, We've also had a really good quarterback over the last three years who, who's been able to throw it a little bit too. So, um, but yeah, you know, that's kind of how we are on both sides of the ball. I, I expect our kids to be tough and disciplined, and uh, you know, uh, not back down from anything. And I, and I think they've proven that uh, over the years uh, of what they're capable of doing. Well, I can see why guys like playing for you. You're firing me up a little bit, you know, run the ball, <laughs> get a quarterback, uh, be multiple, bring more guys yep. than they can block. I, I like all the yep. things like that. Listen to that. Uh, so it, I wanted to ask you a little bit, you know, outside of, uh, of high school and, and the other lions in town, you got the Detroit lions. And I, I just wanted to, uh, Patricia's a, Matt Patricia's a, a defensive guy. It hasn't really worked for him the, the last two years yep. record wise, but you know, you were just talking about, you know, crowding the line and, and maybe even a five, two, I find it interesting that he seems like he's zagging with everybody else, you know, zigging here. Like, 
He's going press corners. He's just rushing three. If he does blitz, it's it's coming from the middle. Like when you see when you, I mean, I'm sure you're you're looking at all uh, levels of football. Uh, is it something that jumps out when you when you see the Lions and, and their approach? Yeah, I mean, not not that I'm the expert or anything, but uh, you know, it just it confuses me a little bit. You watch uh, watch them play, and you know they're a man cover all over the place, but. Uh, they have no pass rush. Yeah. You know, you, you, you can't you can't be a man cover team and, and not have a pass rush. Uh, and I think we saw plenty of examples of that uh, over the last couple of years. And you know, maybe he's just trying to fit in the, his system and, and trying to find the right dudes to do it. But uh, that's probably been the number one glaring thing to me on the defensive side. You know, how can you be a man cover team if you don't have any uh, pass rush to, to help you with that? Yeah, no, no pressure up front, and it's yeah. one of those things. Now, if he's if he's able to get that, it just the other part. It kind of goes against like it, it does seem like football is an aggressive sport. You know, you you need to get the ball out of that quarterback's hands, <laughs> and and trying to drop guys in coverage seems like uh, if you're not going to be able to get that pressure, that's a recipe for disaster. But they get paid the big bucks. We'll see if that's able to. You know, I, I know he's that's been. Right. You know, he's uh, in the spotlight, you know, to say the least, you know, coming up this year. So, you know, maybe it'll come through for him. He's he's had some success in the past. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, and I, I think Daryl Bevel is a, is a done a, that was a great hire in my opinion. I think offensively, I think they got it figured out. They got all these weapons. They just had a great draft uh, that will hopefully help them on both sides of the ball. And, uh, you know, you know, just like you, I mean, I grew up here in Michigan, so I've been a Lions fan my whole life. So it's uh, you know, it's tough to it's tough to watch sometimes. But uh, hey, you know, <laughs> it, it, everything will be anew again. You know, and hope will still be alive. Uh, hopefully, when they kick it off in September. So you got that right. I do know with Bevel coming in, and you know, people were like, "Wow, they're just going to run the ball." Well, yeah, yeah. You, quarter, <laughs> the running the ball is the quarterback's best friend. So if you can get that going, you know, it can yeah. and really help you out. So that's uh, no. you know, that's my two cents on the Lions. There, I appreciate you. You know, you're yeah, weighing hey, in no, on him as well. Hey, no problem. No, just to reiterate, Daryl Bevel. I think he's done a like a, just re, he's done a great job. I think you know, you watch how they run the offense, they run how they mix things up, the different things they do, and uh, you know, definitely has benefited Matt Stafford. Keep yeah. him healthy. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll all cross our fingers, and uh, you know, the first thing we're just hoping that the people make the decisions uh, are. And whatever they're going to do to decide whether they're going to play football in the fall, whether we're going to have students back, whether there's going to be high school football, college football, pro football, yeah. we don't know any of that. So a very odd time to, you know, sit here and, and you know, just contemplate it all. That's for sure. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, my two cents, you know, they'll play pro football because it's all about money. Uh, you know, the owners aren't going to let that one go by. That's going to happen. And I think same, same thing with college. I mean, they're going to play because that's too much. They, they can't afford to lose all that money. Uh, and they won't be able to survive. Uh, and we already saw Central Michigan just canceled their track team, you know, because of the financial uh, strain that this is putting on them. And a couple of Division II football programs have already folded um, because of this. You know, there's a financial burden uh, so, you know, my two cents, they're going to play, they're going to play college football. They're going to play pro football because it's all about money. Um, high school, you know, we're, we're talking with kids, you know, so that's, that's, that's the, the thing that'll separate us from, from the other two. Yeah. Well, I know that it could be, uh, let me say healing or just, uh, just fun, you know, for enthusiasm to, to get athletics back. So if that does happen at the high school level, it will be great. Well, hey, uh, I appreciate your time, and nice. it was fun talking with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, I, I'm free anytime. So. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, you know, after June 30th, we see how things are unfolding, and th you get the ball rolling, you get any kind of uh, clinics or anything that's going on there at South Lion where, you know, you need some uh, promotion or anything else, uh, uh, I'll be there for you and, and, uh, and tell everybody, if you know, clinics, camps, whatever. Special days. Uh, I'll promote it for you. Appreciate your time. Hey, thanks, Dennis. Thank you very much. Take care. All right. Have a good day. There he is, uh, Jeff Henson, who is the head coach of South Lion football. And, you know, I'd never talked with a coach before there. And, and coach, 
can fill it up on the airwaves. I like that. A guy that can also fill it up on the airwaves is somebody that I'm going to call right now, and and uh, I'm going to get on here and talk a little Michigan football. And that is uh, Chris Ballas. Hey, buddy. Hey, Chris. How are you? How you doing, my friend? Great. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hanging in there, doing the, you know, the best I can. And I, I saw a video today with Don Brown and Jim Harbaugh both doing somersaults. So, you know, <laughs> I think it was cartwheels. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what they are, cartwheels. Yeah. Half and half, man. It wasn't pretty. <laughs> so, what are you gonna do? Well, you know what? I enjoyed it, anyways. I did too. It was fun. <laughs> A sense of normalcy. Uh, Jim Harbaugh climbing trees for recruits and celebrating recruits is a good thing, you know. It is, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm for all of that. I'm for Don Brown, you know, cartwheel, half cartwheels content. Yeah, I'm, I'm for it. You got it. You and, got it. And they got a pretty good player, it looks like too. So who knows, right? They did. Yep. Uh, they're doing all right, man. Their class will be finished by probably shit the end of summer if uh, if they keep it up, you know. Yeah. So. Well, I, you know, I, I see a lot of different things. Like uh, I, I look, and the, the class looks good, and then uh, I compare it to the Ohio State class, and it doesn't look so good. But you know, if you, they're doing good, except when you compare them to Ohio State, which is kind of a, you know, what you could say about the football program. And uh, you know what's State. funny about that, Dennis, is uh, Doug Karsh back in the day, and this feels like old times, buddy. You know, uh, used to say, you know, Michigan's always compared. Uh, to the best program in the country. And it's not always the, the best program every year, you know, and it's not always the same program. It's Miami, Florida one year, it's USC another year, so on and so forth. And that's an awfully high bar. Now you've got one of them in your own division, you know, in Ohio State now that, that has taken its program to another level. And if we're being honest, there are six programs that uh, that really have stood out about above all others. And, uh, you know, foot, the foot, so-called football factories. Now you've got one of them in your own division that you've got to beat just to win a big 10, man. It's getting pretty hard. And so, yeah, they're doing well. Uh, but, uh, in terms of c- comparisons, man, certainly not on Ohio state's level right now. No, you know, I look at, there's a lot of different things you could look at when you're, you know, studying college football, if you're a fan or in the media or anything else. Uh, I like the ESPN's, uh, was it S&P that they've put out that combines yeah. three or four different things. It's, you know, telling for recruiting, players coming back. Uh, I don't know if they put yep. guys that are going to the pros, but it, it stands out there. You know, Ohio State's one, two or three, two or three, whatever they are, but Michigan's, you know, in the top 10 and, you know, that's where yeah. you would want to be. But, yeah, when, when that team is uh, right on your side of the conference, you, you got to be able to uh, – and, and we know the history there. That's going to stand out. Yeah. Yeah, especially when you've lost 14 out of 15 and you look at uh, what they've accomplished and where their program is now. And Michigan historically, right, is about right where they've been uh, over the last, you know, 40 years or so, barring a, you know, 1997 type run where they're going for a national championship and things like that. Uh, this is, a, you know, a borderline top 10 program. There are some years where they have three losses, four losses. You know, once in a while you have a two loss season. Uh, they've won 10 wins. They've had 10 wins and three, I think, of. Jim Harbaugh is five years, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, you know, and that used to be one of the benchmarks as Lloyd Carlos used to say, man, that's a good year when you get to 10 wins. And it really is, uh, comparatively speaking. But when you're being compared to the best of the best and that best happens to be your rival, man, then it gets tougher. So uh, you've got to get some more talent at the skill positions. I think that's one of the areas of weakness, the most glaring disparities, in my opinion. You look at the Ezekiel Elliott's, Dennis, and things like that, the guys like that are, that are in the pros. You look at the quarterback position. I think Michigan in the last 10 years has only had one guy at the skill positions go higher uh, than the second round, and uh, you know, first or second round, and that was Dennis Devin Funches mm. uh, back in whenever. So you've got to have those difference makers in games like this. That's something that Marcus Ray, Michigan's former safety, always said to me. You've got to have that Charles Woodson. You've got to have that difference maker quarterback. It's past time that Michigan – has had those guys to be able to compete with Ohio State. Well, that's the frustrating part. It seems like they are getting some of those guys, at least on paper, like uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones. I mean, he seemed like yeah. he would have been the the perfect kind of player that you're talking about. Tariq Black looked like he was that kind of player. And, and you know, Shea Patterson, for that matter, looked like he was going to be that guy. And yeah. Those are the guys that need to be the uh, the, the difference makers and, and, and playmakers in the biggest games. And, and it's specifically against Ohio State. And I don't know what it is with, with some of those guys uh, yep. developing, uh, love of football, whatever it is, just not happening. 
yeah, maybe some entitlement. You know, what uh, what is the program doing for me rather than what can I do for the program? And I hate to say it, but, uh, you know, you saw that with those receivers at times, in my opinion. And those are not the kinds of guys that you're going to win championships with. If you're behind the scenes of some people close to you or if you are complaining about the number of balls thrown your way and then dropping passes in the biggest games. You, you saw People's Jones do that against Ohio State, Penn State. Well, guys like Ronnie Bell are busting their tails. You know, if you're playing like Ronnie Bell, you're going to get your opportunities. I think that was pretty clear. Uh, you know, rather than complaining that your quarterback's not getting you the ball or he's overthrowing you. And to me, that's kind of a culture that's set in there where they're going to have to reevaluate some things, Dennis, and uh, and get this program back on track, the culture. They haven't won a championship since 2004. So you don't have those guys that have won championships teaching the young guys that, hey, you know, you don't come first, man. It's the program first type of thing, which is, you know, even with all that talent they have at Ohio State, you can see it there uh, in their culture. How many guys skipped the Rose Bowl a couple of years ago from Ohio State, you know, to go to the NFL? None. Uh, other than Bosa, who was hurt halfway through the year. So those guys get it right now a little bit better than the Michigan guys, in my opinion. And I think they've recognized that from the people I've spoken with. I think they're kind of recruiting to that, Dennis. But you've got to have that mix, man, of elite playmakers and guys that are going to be willing to do anything for the for the program. And they have to be those guys as well. Yeah, I just wonder if I was talking with somebody that, uh, that you were talking with recently, because he was saying the same mm-hmm. thing, except he was going a little farther, saying that Jim, you know, specifically, he's got to, you know, talk to these guys about, you know, playing for – you know, th- this team, and yeah, it's good to have NFL aspirations, but it, it, it can be along the way of, uh, you know, first things first. It's got to be here. And, you know, I was saying, I don't, I don't know how you, you know, you can really recruit to that because you want the best players. Right. And if you're, you know, you're talking to a kid and saying, look, yeah, we, we, we know you want to go to pro, but, you know, we, we really need you to, you know, make sure yeah. you're all about, uh, you know, Michigan first. That sounds good. I don't know how realistic it's tough right it's a tough balance and that's why that's why they get paid the big bucks man on the recruiting trail and it's become let's be be honest man it's the wild west out there man when it comes to your five-star recruits you know and a lot of these kids get into these programs and they you know they expect things so that's why we're we see transfers at an all-time high and and that's why i respectfully disagree with jim harbaugh when he says you know people kids should have a one-time transfer if they want it uh i think then it becomes a free-for-all it's free agency you know okay teams that are on on top are going to raid smaller programs at positions that haven't worked out for them, you know, maybe at the end of a season, you know, have somebody dedicated to seeing who isn't playing or, or who might, you know, fare better. Maybe a guy from Boise state wants to, you know, can fit in at Alabama or something like that. And to me, and then it becomes a free for all, but I don't know what the answer is, Dennis. I just know that, that it's a, a rich, get richer mentality every year. Uh, it's the same programs in the playoff. It's made college football, frankly, a little boring for me. Uh, you know, it used to be exciting when you were chasing the big 10 championship even you know at least hey you've got an opportunity for that now you've got to not only win your division you've got to win a championship game and uh, it gets tougher and tougher so but uh we'll see where it goes man uh, first things first man we have to have a season this fall right yeah. and make sure these guys are playing so and that to me is the first step well you know what i'm operating and i know uh michigan president mark schlissel has had some things to say uh, this weekend for the Wall Street Journal, and uh, you know he he could be right. It was a cautious approach, and and that's fine. You know, I mean, you can be sitting down there at Auburn saying we're playing one hundred percent, and you know <laughs> yeah. everybody can say whatever they want right now, and you could be cautious and everything. You know, I I know you know people get excited about yeah. I, th- I think uh, you know Alabama would be out there practicing right now. They probably are. And, yeah. But you know, so yeah, we're uh, I'm operating like they're going to play, and and just hopeful, but realizing that. You know, there might not be, or it might be, uh, you know, different. Certainly, I think it is going to be different. I don't, I don't think they're, I don't think you're going to see a packed big house coming up no. this fall. No, and speaking with people close to it uh, who have, you know, some of the boosters that have been talking to the higher-ups and all that, uh, they're going to be in the game. There's no question about it. There'll probably be about, uh, they're operating as though they're going to be about fifteen or 20,000 fans, and I think that's the model that more and more schools are exploring, and Notre, Notre Dame is. You know, like you said, in the South, man, they'll probably have double the amount, right? They'll stack them on top of each other because they're so in. excited. Come on exactly. In. Yeah. Yep. And uh, But, uh, you know, I think uh, Notre Dame and, and schools like Michigan, you're going to have them spread out a little bit and it's going to be different. Uh, there was a great article today in the Detroit News by our colleague and friend Angelique Shingelis talking to Chris Hutchinson 
whose son Aiden plays for Michigan. And Chris, of course, was an All-American here. And he was telling Aiden, you know, you may not be able, you may not be able to play in front of a packed house in Columbus. And he said his jaw dropped. He's like, man, what's that? You know, that's going to be, uh, it's going to make it terrible. And he says, well, would you rather not play at all? And he said, well, no, of course not. So I think that's just kind of what we uh, need to plan for. And hopefully, you know, if there is no second wave of this pandemic, then maybe by the end of the season, you know, they let more and more fans in Dennis. And then maybe by the bowl games, who knows, you know, maybe uh, things will get back to normal. So there's still so much we don't know right now, but I do think it's trending in a positive direction. Uh, I liked Ward Manuel's uh, uh, comments about this much better than Schlissel's Dennis when he was a little bit more cautiously optimistic. Uh, and I think pr- that's probably where the entire the, the campus and the people on campus are leaning. But uh, you got to be careful if you're the president too to uh, to make sure that you err on the side of caution. Yeah, that's right. And you know what? If we get we, we see all of these pictures over Memorial Weekend of people at parties and beaches and, you know, pretty much thumb of their nose at the north and everything else. We're playing football. And, you know, hopefully, you know, that uh, optimism, I'll say, you know, hopefully we just keep stacking weeks upon each other and they can be even more defiant saying, look, we got it right. And hopefully they are right. You know, so yeah. we, we will that's be true. the ones that are sitting back and at the end saying, all right, well, let's uh, we I'm talking about as a state. You yep. might be able to jump in there and, you know, and it'll be fine, you know, if we do that and things are going yeah. well. So, you know, that's, you know, we got to protect the most vulnerable man. And that's what I've been looking at. It's like, you know, we see who this disease affects and, and it's what bugs me is when people say, Oh, you're just being selfish. You just want your football. And I'm like, no, it's not about that. It's about people's livelihoods. I've seen so many restaurant owners. You've eaten at Mr. Spots in Ann Arbor, you know, watching these guys struggle to make it. And uh, these restaurants and these friends of ours, and uh, people losing their homes, uh, you know, just talked to a guy today who had to lay off 80 to 100 people from his business. Uh, and sports is more than entertainment. It's livelihoods for many people, including us. Uh, it doesn't make you selfish to say, OK, you know, let's follow the data. The data looks good. Let's progress. You know, at one point it was about flattening the curve. And now, you know, they're saying, well, we can't do anything until we get a vaccine, which may or may not work. That doesn't make any sense. It's not commonsensical to me. Uh, You still have to live and people have to live. And you're going to see more and more people suffer. Dennis, if they're losing their jobs and losing their homes, uh, uh, you know, it's going to be the residual effect. So, of course, we have to. we have to protect the people who are most vulnerable. I'm not going to let my 80 year old parents go into Michigan stadium and sit next to somebody, you know, and in the fall. And, uh, but you know, students and, you know, if they're tested and they, for example, if they've got the antibodies or something like that and they're deemed safe and, uh, and you know, they're going to be taking all the proper precautions, Dennis, at, at the U of M, especially, you know, before they let those kids go back on the football field, then we have to move forward to me. Uh, it's extremely important uh, that we get this thing as back to normal as, as soon as possible. Yeah, and I know this, man, if you do have somebody high risk, you just mentioned your parents or whatever else, you need to protect yourself too because uh, I I do hope that we can all find the right balance and we can get back to work and still protect people. But seeing how things are going, man, you got to get a lookout for number one uh, yourself, the way that's going is, uh, is Keith, is is Mr. Spots, are they they doing, um, are they doing doing curbside? They are, buddy. Absolutely. And we've been uh, doing our part to, uh, you know, Keith's a great guy and they're just great people, man. And I like to help great people. I've eaten there every week and, uh, and we've had sent people from our website that, you know, I'll tell you what, the message board's thriving right now, Dennis. There are a lot of people that, you know, want to talk about not just Michigan football, but life in general. And our traffic has been through the roof, but, uh, and a lot of our subscribers have gone out of their way to help the Ann Arbor restaurants and the businesses and uh, uh, have done a great job. So we're hoping and praying that those guys are still around and, and stick around because, uh, man, we need them. We need, we need these guys in Ann Arbor. And, and again, that's their livelihoods. Dennis, these guys have spent their whole lives. Mr. Spots has been there for 33 years. You know, they need to be there this fall and, and beyond. Yeah. Well, tell me what that, that, uh, that message board's like, that's the Wolverine.com. What's that? The, the fort, right? That community. Yeah. That's, that's been there for a heck of a long time. It's amazing, isn't it? Uh, I've been there for about 20 years now, Dennis, and uh, maybe a little bit longer than that. I don't want to date myself. but Well, no, I think I remember <laughs> stopping uh, in the 90s over at Jackson Road, and Paul Dodd would give me the newspaper. It was it was newspaper like Wolverine. I think it had a color cover, but by the yep. mid-90s, you were there, you know, along with yeah. John Borden covering it at a you know, day-to-day basis, so. 
Yeah, you used to take pictures of us in the hotel room when you guys were getting ready to go to the bar, and there we are sitting there at our computers, you know, so updating the, the new numbers from the media guide when there used to be a media guide, man, and we'd have a we'd have a sink full of beer. Remember that four guys to a room uh, on media day? <laughs> I don't remember that. You know what? Yeah, I, I bet do, you don't. I do yeah. remember uh, Doug having a, a bathtub full yeah. of beer and um, Cam Cameron yeah. knocking on the door. He's head coach, head coach in Indiana <laughs> coming in for an interview, and he was like, "Wait a second. Well, what are we doing here? Oh like, my we're, God. we're just getting ready for the after interview. And, and, and Cam's like, you know, I'll take one. I think, you know, Joe, Tiller, Joe Tiller would take one too. He would. And he'd tell us some fishing stories. I remember one year, Joe, uh, George Perlis and, uh, turning the channel in the uh, in the room, the uh, media suite, you know, and uh, and looking for sports after having a couple of beers. Man, those were the good old days. And uh, but I miss it, man. I miss you, brother. It's been it's great to hear your voice again. It's been a long time. Yeah, thanks. I loved going to uh, Chicago and the Big Ten coaches meetings. Yeah, you'd find out so many things, and yeah, you you know you get to sit around with. Uh, I remember Joe Tiller standing there, and uh, a guy walked up to him and said, uh, "Hey, Joe, you know, big Boiler fan." And Joe's, you know, smacks him on the back. And he said, yeah, man, uh, Joe, can you tell I lost 20 pounds? And Joe, without, you know, blinking, just said, you know, when a battleship loses a couple rivets, you know, you can't really tell. The guy start, everybody started laughing. Just, I love that. You know guy. what I remember? Yeah, me too. You know what I remember, Dennis? Uh, when we were sitting at a table with – with. Um, we were sitting at the table with Joe Paterno and afterwards, you know, you and I were kind of starstruck. This was one of his first years in the league, you know, and we look at each other, we kind of smile and you're like, man, you just want to give that guy a hug. You know, now, you know, you're looking back at it and everything that's happened since that, it's amazing how things can change. But yes. remember sitting there at the table with Nick Saban one year too, buddy. And, uh, and him, and him saying, talking about, you know, on defense, we have no talent, uh, wide receiver. We have no talent. And then I remember the Bobby Williams incident. Remember that one? One where he said this is a bad rivalry? Yes. <laughs> we, don't, we, don't like, at the table. we don't like yeah. Michigan. What about the Michigan? No, that's a bad rivalry. I'm yeah, not so. Wow, bad rivalry. You don't want to talk about exactly. it. Exactly. He had his game that face was, on, though, there at Chicago. You got to give him that. Like, he was not, like, absolutely. you know, looking to say, like, yeah, you know, that's when the season yep. comes around. He, he was ready right away. No, that's a bad rivalry. Yeah, yeah, it was fun, man. But those were the good old days, and it's different now. But uh, you know, it's weird when you go there and you're inter- interviewing coaches from Maryland and Rutgers. But you know what? Times change, buddy. Uh, Michigan's got to get with the times, and they really have to get back here to winning championships because it's been way too long. And uh, and you know, frankly, uh, 14 out of 15 to Ohio State is embarrassing. They brought Jim Harbaugh here to win championships, and uh, uh, they're paying him as such. And I think he understands that. So it's going to be interesting. What's interesting to see here what happens here in the next couple of years. Well, it will be. I know that is the goal. You know, you you talk a little bit about the skill players and you know getting better production from the guys that you're getting. I, I've been considering Dylan McCaffrey and Joe Milton probably too much. I've just spent a lot of time just you know thinking about those guys, but. You know, they, uh, what, what about the line? I mean, you, you feel like they're going to be okay there. Like that was the one thing that I felt good about last year that I hadn't felt in at least 10 years that, that Michigan yeah. had a, what looked like on paper to, to be a, a potential, you know, big 10 championship offensive line. I know it didn't materialize, but they look like they had that. Yeah, and they had four guys that went to the pros. And, uh, you know, how many programs have done that? Ed Warner really coached these guys up, and, uh, you know, they were later round draft picks uh, at the same time. You know, I think that was the first, second time ever that a program has had a four starters from its offensive line get drafted. And uh, that was really impressive. Uh, but in speaking to guys like John Jansen, who's very close to the program, and, and talking to Ed Warner, Michigan's line coach, they love these guys. They feel like they're going to have more depth than they've ever had. They're going to be younger, but you look at a guy like Jalen Mayfield, who was at right tackle and is already being projected as a redshirt sophomore to be a potential first-round pick next year. Uh, Ryan Hayes has played in some games. What they've told me, both of them specifically have told me this is going to be a much more athletic line and that they think that's going to really help in the run game. It's all about getting guys in the right position and, and knowing what they're doing, uh, but there's great competition, and that's something that they haven't had there in a long time. Guys really cutthroat fighting for spots, Dennis, and uh, that's what you need. Now, when you're replacing a, a first-round pick in Cesar Ruiz, who was the highest round draft pick, obviously, uh, you need a guy to step up right away. They really like Zach Carpenter there. He's a young guy, though, and that's going to take some time, but they think by the end of the year and hopefully maybe by the middle of the year, these guys are going to really gel, so uh, I think it's going to be a great line in time. And I think for the foreseeable future, you're going to get back to how it was in the 90s when you're plugging guys in 
replacing guys who are ready to play and not looking for bodies like they had been earlier uh, this decade. Well, I know uh, just looking in the, the state, I was talking with somebody earlier who was talking about uh, Mark Spindler's kid, Rocco Spindler. I'm sure you're familiar with him, the Clarkston yep. connection there. And uh, I, I know Michigan's still you know, battling it out with him. But this guy, you know, I, I was talking with, uh, he said, you know, throw this Chris this way. And, and I didn't, I just scribbled down his name, so I might not even say it right. New CO, uh, his dad went to Penn State's 6'8". Uh, yeah. It's Todd Rucci's kid, and, and Rucci is um, a good friend of uh, Doug Skeen, who does a podcast with me. Yep, mm-hmm. he actually played with him at New England. So Michigan's right there in the mix, and I don't think, uh, you know, he's looking to be an aerospace engineer. You're talking about a family here, Dennis, that really values academics, and, you know, a lot of kids say it but aren't about it. This kid's about it, so that's why I think Michigan's got a legit shot here. Notre Dame, Wisconsin there, uh, you know, teams with good offensive line histories. But, you know, having four guys drafted really opened his eyes. I don't think Michigan feels ecstatic about its chances right now, but I think uh, the kid is so – he understates everything so much that it's really hard to get a read on him. And, of course, his dad went to Penn State, so Mm. you've got that Penn State angle. But uh, we've heard, you know, that he's more than willing to leave the state if he finds what he's looking for. And uh, Michigan certainly has everything that that he likes and that he's looking for. So there's a chance there. Uh, One kid, though, to watch is Drew Kendall. This kid's number 62 in the country. Uh, He's out of the Massachusetts area. And Dennis, Michigan's been raiding that area. Uh, Boston College is a little bit pissed off right now because Michigan's taken some of the top talent from that region. Kendall's the number 62 player overall in the country, really loves Michigan. Wouldn't surprise at all to see him drop in the next couple of weeks and add to that offensive line haul as well. I love that talk. What's uh, it just reminded yeah. me of back in the day. Like, so does Michigan have like an aerospace uh, connection with that? I, I don't even know that. So you probably would. It, it just reminded yeah. me like of, and this was decades ago, like, a kid really was uh, attracted to uh, music and musicals, and and somebody was right. like, you know, talking Gershwin, you know, <laughs> like, why? I don't, I don't, what? I don't exactly. know. Exactly. I don't know about the the Gershwin connection or anything, but uh, right. I, like, apparently that was a big deal for people that were that were following. It was hilarious. <laughs> I know who you were. T- I know who you're talking about. I wish I could remember who it was specifically. And I'm like, oh my god, is this what we're coming to and recruiting? You know, and uh, quick, somebody, uh, you know, somebody tell them how you know how many Gershwin grads there are or something. You know, but no, it's 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 different now though. You know, there aren't as many of those guys, Dennis and Mount. Now it's more and more. How quickly can I get to the league? And uh, you know. But uh, Michigan still has these guys go to class. They don't do online classes uh, other than the, during the pandemic, of course. And that's one thing that a lot of other schools promote is that, hey, you never have to leave the football building. You can just do your classes here. Or Joe Burrow at LSU saying to the students, man, I never get to see these guys because I'm never on campus. You know, and you're thinking, well, it's a little bit different up here. And uh, But there's still a faction out there. I remember Steve Schilling. Remember him back in the day? Oh, offensive yeah. lineman. Who was uh, that? We that's what he was all about, and that's what mattered to him, and uh, that's why they got him from USC over the bag of cash. Yeah, I'll say it. And uh, but uh, there are a few guys out there, and it's but it's getting tougher and tougher to find them, and uh, that's that's uh, up to Jim Harbaugh. That's why he gets paid the big bucks. Yeah, I mean, I wish Michigan would beat Ohio State, and you know, Fields is great, but. Somebody told me he doesn't even know what the the horseshoe looks like. You know, he's yeah, the only, <laughs> only time, on Saturdays, yeah, right? It's the yeah. only time he's there because he's taking all those online classes. Well, you know, maybe that's what Michigan will be able to do. You know, come maybe. fall, if you know, if I'm interpreting those uh, comments by Schlissel when he said, uh, I know the the Wall Street Journal said all students have to be back, and but actually, when I looked at the quotes. It really didn't. It didn't say that exactly. No, I guess you can no. interpret it that way. I mean, if you want, but a, right. a combination of some online classes and some, you know, the, the altered, uh, you know, class times and and, and different yep. things like that. I, I think you can, you know, still get the students back, and you, I'm sure they want to do that. Yeah, and who knows? Uh, again, if this thing flares up in another month and a half, then everything we're talking about right now is obsolete, right? And uh, hopefully it won't. But uh, there are plans in place, and uh, I don't think there's any question that as of right now, and I, I saw Joel Klatt tweeted out, he's a great <laughs> yeah. analyst, as you know, uh, saying I'm 100% certain you know, that we'll have football this fall if things go according to plan. And, uh, and I agree with him. I think that's where it's trending, but you just don't know. But, uh, I mean, college football is such a huge part of – people's lives and again it's not just about entertainment it's about livelihoods and things like that it would be hard to imagine not having it so it'll be i guess the guinea pig will be if there's baseball you know and some of these other sports opening up maybe we'll get some nba back dennis and see how it goes that would be nice to have that going for a couple of months here 
uh, you know, kind of as the guinea pig going forward for college football because, uh, man, God knows we need it this fall. Yeah, if not, you know, I heard that, you know, you and John Borton are going to be in some kind of made-for-TV for golf event, you know, you know, out there with John Jansen, you know. So, so I don't know. I'm looking yeah. forward. I would watch it. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So You would watch and see how bad I am. Borton can actually play, man. So I'd be out there hacking it up and cussing and swearing. They'd have to bleep out every other word. You know me. Well, that's a little fun. more I hate, you know. Well, let, let's see it, you know. Let's see exactly. it. Exactly. That's, that's real. You know, I don't, I don't like I'm game, guys, brother. I don't like seeing guys hitting it in the fairway all the time. Exactly. I'm game. <laughs> Let's see some real golf. All right, Chris. Well, it was, uh, thanks for spending so much time with me, man. Uh, hey, brother. No problem. It went fast. I miss you, bro. Yeah. And, uh, Greg, glad to hear that you're doing well and, uh, I love the podcast, man. Well, thanks for being on it. And hopefully one day, uh, I don't know if we have to sit six feet apart or have a glass partition or whatever else, uh, plexiglass, uh, maybe we can actually see each other one day. Absolutely. I look forward to it, brother. Yeah, me too. Take care, Chris. Take care, man. You bet. We'll see you. There he is, Chris Ballas from the Wolverine.com, talking a little football. Jeff Henson before. Chris, doing the same thing. A football hour here. And, you know, today, the weather's supposed to be like tomorrow. Today was, I, I like, I don't want to sound like I'm complaining and I'm going to complain about the heat, but I was out there, man, and I was drenched so fast. We had a, a goat house delivered to the house here, and I was out there helping unload it a little bit. Well, you know what? 90, 90 on Tuesday. Let's uh, we're recording it, and, you know, tomorrow going to be a little bit cooler, 82, and some cool days ahead. It's good, man. 90 degrees out there. You know, talking with Chris, there were uh, there was a couple years that those guys uh, let me work at the Wolverine.com. It was before there was a Wolverine.com. Maybe it was just a Wolverine. Maybe it was uh, the .com. Whatever it was. And my job was to, during the game, what Michigan would do. I had to chart what they would do in on third and one. Short yardage, then what would they do between, uh, you know, uh, third and two and five, and then what they would do in, in third and long. You know, so I would chart that the whole game, and then I, would, I would come up with the charts. And then I, I did dabble in a little bit of recruiting. I didn't really like cold calling and, and trying to, you know, talk with uh, you know uh, players about, you know, where they were going. But I did find that once a guy was committed – that then I would talk with somebody like on the, on the staff and I would just get the information about, you know, the, how the guy was doing. And, and I just recall two guys off the top of my head here as I was thinking about recruiting. One was a, a kid that played in Detroit, went to Michigan. He was a running back. I think they may have turned him – he may have gone over the other side of the ball and played DB named Darnell Hood. But it just reminds me of just when you get a guy – who is a good football player and he has um, offers to go to, you know, Big Ten or SEC and all these, just how amazing these guys are. Like like Hood, every week, you know, I'd, I would look it up, you know, what did Hood do today? 336 yards, five touchdowns. It's like that's what he averaged. And there was a linebacker, I think it was from Pennsylvania, named Scott McClintock. And I would talk to his position coach. And this guy would have tales about McClintock. Like, I would call him up and I would say, what did Scott do? And he would like, this kid's the greatest football player I've ever seen. He hits guys sideways into the, the bench. He's, he's broken yard markers by knocking guys out. We don't let him hit in practice because he's injuring too many of our players. And I was just like, this guy's going to come in and be the greatest linebacker of all time. He was a good linebacker, but do you find this – in high school with, you know, big-time players. One more story. Chris Ballas mentioned uh, Doug Karsh. Doug Karsh's uncle, I think it's from Saginaw, and I remember it was a football Saturday or it was, uh, it was a party, and this guy was telling me, I saw the greatest football player I've ever seen, and he's only a freshman in high school. He's like, you got to remember the name. If this guy isn't the – if this guy isn't a Hall of Famer, then I don't know what. He runs from sideline to sideline, and it was the same thing. Like, he's demolishing players. He just wreaks havoc all over the football field. He is unstoppable. He was only a freshman at the time. And you know what? I don't think he's going to end up getting into the Hall of Fame, but he won a Super Bowl. 
and he was a hell of a football player at Michigan. Lamar Woodley was being talked about like that. There are guys, there are some guys have to go through camps. I know Mike Martin, who played at Michigan a couple years ago, got identified at a camp, and, you know, it wasn't like when he was a freshman, but I can also recall looking back and recur like LeVar Arrington, guys like Courtney Brown. These guys these guys are like in sixth grade, eighth grade. People are like, these are going to be the greatest football players of all time. And you know what? Brown was a number one overall pick. LeVar Arrington, you know, not too shabby himself. All right. That is going to do it here on today's podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening. And I really want to thank uh, Jeff Henson from South Lion and Chris Ballas from TheWolverine.com. Everybody have a great afternoon.